professionally for other people for 12 years and we met I didn't know it was that long yes it's that long crazy and we we met very early in that time span when I was just sort of figuring out that I needed boundaries actually (laughs) and uh, yeah I started out in travel journalism and that was when everything, the economy tanked and there were no jobs and journalism was going under and you couldn't get any gigs at newspapers or magazines. Nobody was hiring. So that turned a lot of writers to marketing. And then I sort of fell into ghost blogging. That is exactly what that is. It is ghost writing for people's blogs, pretending you were them, writing their blog posts for them so they don't have to because they're busy entrepreneurs. And that's where I got my start. And then that slid into software as a service, ghost blogging, thought leadership. That's a good uh, little catchphrase. Thought leadership articles on customer success. And I did that for a long time. And then I got really, really done, really done with software as a service and switched my entire business to just doing copywriting, which is different. That is very different from blogging. Blogging is content. Copywriting is the words that make people buy stuff now. Uh, So that's what I do, and I do it for coaches. So I'm completely out of the tech sphere. I work with the woo-woo folks who have crystals and essential oils and all that good stuff, and they heal and they read tarot cards. They're super fun folks. And I'm, I'm loving life right now. But, yeah, back in the day, my bread and butter goes blogging. I, so. can, definitely, I can definitely relate to that because um, in 2007, that's when I began my journey into writing. And 2009, that's when I started blogging. 2011, that's when I went pro, so to speak. And then um, about 2013 is when – I don't know what happened, but everything dried up. Like that's, that's when all of the gigs that I was doing under my own name, they just, they, they disappeared. And January 2014, when I say to you that ghost blogging literally dropped in my lap, that's not an exaggeration. I had never heard of ghost blogging. I never knew that was even a thing. And lo and behold, the woman that we shall not mention. um, (laughs) She who shall not be named. Exactly. She who shall not be named. She called me and um, she had my business card from a Channel 10 event that I had done for Metromix. Um, Channel 10 was a, um, it was in Tampa and Metromix was, I guess you'd call it an affiliate of Channel 10. Um, Gannett was the owner, like the big company that owned everything. And um, Metromix was like this big new hip thing they were trying to create. And so I was covering a lot of events um, under that umbrella. And I was giving out my card everywhere I went. I was like, you know, if you ever need anything, call me, blah, blah, blah. And as things started to widen down in 2013, lo and behold, 2014 starts and this this particular person calls me and they're like, hey, I need a blog writer because um, I want to promote my business and I literally do not have time to do it. And I was like, oh, yes. And I was like, well, you know, work is drying up. I've never done anything as a ghost. <laughs> but, you know, hey, if the if the bills are being paid, I'm in. And yeah. 
I, that that never bothered me. Like not ha- taking the credit just never ever bothered me at all. I kind of loved using other people's experiences, using their stories, using their knowledge, and just making that into beautiful words on their website. No problem. Real talk. I can't say that at all. <laughs> um, I used to joke that I didn't get the credit, but I'll take their cash. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm uh, I'm the girl that was dubbed famous Ashley Grant, quote unquote, um, whenever I was working for Channel 10. And so the idea of not being able to tell anyone what I was writing hurt me in my soul. But at the same time, it was like. I'm able to get these people's voices out there. I'm able to help them promote their message. And so that's what drove me. That's what encouraged me to keep going. Um, so, <laughs> but, uh, but one particular person that you and I both know with, um, she started both of our careers, really. She really did. And, really did. um, yes. And that's actually how, if I'm not mistaken, that's how we met, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Um, and for anybody who's listening to this, I, I know we're being a little bit vague, but it's because we will not name names. Um, we're, we're trying to protect the guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but the reality is, um, the, the person that we're both referring to, she, she was very much a, um, I, I will say this. She's brilliant at marketing. I've never met anyone in my life who's more confident in this, than this person. She, her ability to self-promote. Well, oh, my I'll, God. Her well, ability to tell people you need to buy from me. Um, she was the queen of marketing. However, her, um, for lack of a better phrase, her demeanor was frightening at, at best. Yeah, she did have a, a a bit of a scary side for sure. Um, gosh, when I think of how much anxiety I would have every time she would call, it was just through the roof. Yes, and um, you know, we one particular enough. one particular moment that told me I needed to stop working for this person. Um, I don't remember exactly what day it was, but um, I ended up in the ER. I don't know if you know this story. No. Um, I had what can what doctors called was an anxiety attack, but at the time I literally believed I was having a heart attack. In that moment I knew I could not keep working for this person. However, I was so hurting for cash, I kept powering forward until my anniversary of that year on my wedding anniversary of that year, I found out that this particular person was selling my work at four times the cost to other people. Mm. She demanded that I write these posts for much less than I wanted at a ridiculous discount because she was going to save my career. Yes. Yes. Positioning herself as, as the savior of, yes, that is yes. very, <laughs> that's very on brand. Yes. And <laughs> so that day I wrote every single post I owed her. I had a whole bunch of posts in my queue and I wrote every single one of them. And the, the next week I sent her a message that said I had taken a job full time and I couldn't write for her anymore. Yes. Yeah, that sounds very familiar. So so we're <laughs> I love that we're coming together now uh, af- after all this time and sharing how to cuz the golden thing that I got from working with her and I had similar experiences is it taught me how to spot red flags a mile away. I have superpowers now for avoiding that kind of client. (laughs) Well, speaking of that, tell me, what are your red flags when you're talking to a client? Oh, gosh. Okay, so the first red flag for me is 
if I get the sense they are coming to me for my price points, if they are what what we call a price conscious consumer, mm-hmm. and they are coming because they see that I am less expensive than the other copywriters out there. I mean, copywriting now, but it was content. That immediately signaled that they were making this decision based on money, not based on whether we were a good fit. And what correlates with that, so this is how you spot red flags. It, there's a little uh, there's a little trigger of, oh, this behavior tends to correlate with these other behaviors. And the price conscious person correlates with being a, can I swear? Yes. <laughs> Giant pain in the ass. Because it's not enough for them to get a deal. They want to torture you mm-hmm. also. And this, it's always, always like this. Uh, and people who ask for discounts, same, it's the same mentality. They'll ask for a discount for some reason. And because you're a nice, sweet person and probably a newer writer, you're like, Oh, sure. I can give you a discount because I need money right now. Really, really bad. Right. <laughs> and then they torture you. Yes. So anything around questioning the price point, asking for a discount, saying, oh, I saw that you are less expensive than this other option. Run for the hills. Mm-hmm. You do not need their money. They will make you pay for it 10 times over. Absolutely. And the other thing I'll add to that is if they come at you and they're like, I can make your career. Oh, my gosh. Yes. No, I, I can bring you more work than you can handle. Or if they ever say to you, you will not make it without me. Run. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is this is classic narcissistic relationship behavior. And mm-hmm. it, it also applies to professional relationships absolutely and um uh law and order criminal intent referred to it yes they referred to it as malignant narcissism yes yes and 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 that's honestly what it felt like when when we were working for this individual it was it was like a cancer but yet at the same time we were scared to get chemo because we really believed as we were working for this person, we were helping her and we were building our careers. Right. Well, and she would, <laughs> she would do this, this thing where she would um, recommend me to her friends, but she would share the very low rate she had asked for. So yeah. again, that, that correlation. Um, and she was like, Hey, this writer is amazing. I was so young. This writer is amazing and she'll work for this tiny amount of money. You should totally hire her. So she was helping build my client base, but she was helping build the client base with other cheapskates. So I was never making any money. Yes. And, and the worst part for me is she didn't tell them what my rate was. She told them, contact this person for their rate. And then she would send me an email that said, please tell them this is your rate and I expect a 20% commission. That is the, that is what she tried to pull with me. And that was a, I gave her a super hard no and she did not like, oh my gosh, you cannot tell some people no. But unfortunately I was the dumbass that gave her the 20%. I was the dumbass that, or I like to call it the dumbass because Ashley, hello. Um, I was the dumbass who gave her the 20%. So every bill that I submitted to her had a 20% discount based on the people that she brought me who, as it turns out, I found out later, she was charging an obscene amount of money to promote them, quote unquote. And the reality was these are people who were working full-time jobs and hoping to make their businesses realities, making, hoping to make their, their businesses, their full-time gigs, but they're paying her all this coaching money. And how can you ever turn your dreams into realities whenever you have what can only be described as a snake oil salesman? telling you that you can make it yeah yeah i wonder i wonder about that yeah yeah um so let's see more more red flags that's 
that's probably my biggest. Um, oh, another one that I don't, this comes up in copy more than it did in content, but maybe there's a content corollary, mm-hmm. but somebody who comes in and says, I know this copywriting framework. I, I get a lot of the hero's journey folks. Oh, okay. Um, and I want this, you know, this basically, I want you to do the thing this other copywriter is doing over here. Mm-hmm. And that tells me that they do not want, they're not interested in my style, my philosophy, my differentiators, like basically the special sauce that makes my copywriting my kind of magic. They want somebody else's kind of magic. So that's another one where it's just, you know, now I have the wisdom to just say no. <laughs> yes. That's my specialty. I think you would be a better fit with somebody else. Yes. And, and for anyone listening to this, I have to tell you, Lauren knows her shit. She is, I mean, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say she is by far one of the best copywriters I've ever met in my life. She will take your voice and turn it into the message your ideal client needs to hear. So if you're listening to this and you're looking for a copywriter and you don't have all the red flags we're talking about, (laughs) please message her because uh, she's amazing. And I, you know, I know that your listeners are probably a lot of writers as well. If you're curious about getting into copy, shoot me an email, you know, book a little tea date, come to my crafting copy hour. We'll talk shop. I love doing that. Like no charge. Writers got to help other writers out. Oh, girl, I will drop that in the show notes. Um, For anybody who's listening to this, uh, I think we're going to have this as bloggyfriends.com backslash happy hour. (laughs) Yes. I haven't used that uh, that um, URL with anybody, but I, I think that's the most appropriate for this one because oh. because as you're thinking about all the red flags you're going through, because I know there are some some ghost bloggers and some real bloggers who use their own names who are going to be listening to this, going, I need a shout out tequila. <laughs> you know, content is so yes, um, actually that is my. It used to be. I haven't done it in a while, but that used to be my method for getting through content revisions mm-hmm. is I would have a shot of tequila. And for every stupid revision request by somebody who's like English isn't even their first language and they are correcting my grammar, I have a little shot. <laughs> like, I don't have the whole shot. I sip it down slowly, but still. Girl, I take the whole shot. Oh, my gosh. I You know, is there a red flag? Is there a warning for this situation that I found myself in so much, especially in software as a service, because you're working for, um, should I pause this? Should I pause this? Oh, no, no, we got this. Okay. Um, so software as a service or any company that has more than one cook in the kitchen. So you're Mm. not just working with one person who's judging your work. You're working with a team. And that means multiple people are finding really dumb reasons not to like your copy. Some of them are good reasons and keep those clients. If you have a client who's criticizing your work and they're actually helping you make it better, keep them, put up with it. Don't drink too much. Keep them. They'll make you better. But there's this other kind that just comes up with the most bonkers revision requests that make the copy that that make the content worse. And it is usually a function of too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, the, the, the old saying, too many cooks in the kitchen spoil the, the sauce, the broth, the soup. Something like know. that. Something Whatever like that. you're cooking, they mess it up. Yes. And, <laughs> and I actually had this happen, um, say it was, I think it was 2019. Um, it was a woman that her company when I say she made multiple seven figures, that's not an exaggeration. She made a ridiculous amount of money. And so she believed that the words we said had to be a Stanford or a Harvard education level. Oh, no. Even though the people that were reading her website, I mean, they probably only had a high school 
education. If we're really being honest, if we're really looking at who was going to her website, but she was so convinced that it had to be Stanford or Harvard level that some of the feedback that she would give would be horrible. (laughs) It would be like, it would be like, okay, so I didn't realize that we were speaking to freshman high schoolers. So can you please just take this to the SAT level that I'm expecting? Ouch. Yes. And it was like, as I'm reading her feedback, all I could think was, do you not realize that your actual ideal customer who's reading your website, they don't understand SAT level. They're asking for the layman's terms. And she ended up firing uh, our company that I was working for at the time because she was so pissed off that we couldn't give her what she wanted. But it's because she wasn't thinking about who was reading what she wanted. Yes. Yeah. And, and, And that's one of the things that breaks my heart because People that come to people like you and I, people who come to ghostwriters, they they don't have time to write their blogs. And yet they come to us hoping that we have the golden ticket. We have the lottery numbers that will give them all the business that they're hoping for. But they quit thinking about their ideal customer. Mm. And they, yeah. Well, that, that's actually a good a good sort of secondary way to start talking about boundaries because it's not just, you know, watch out for these people and avoid them. It's okay. Now you've got this other person. How do you set up boundaries that help them succeed and you succeed? Yes. This is a really good one. And it comes up so much where the business owner is making assumptions about their clients Mm -hmm. without actually having done the work to verify their assumptions. So that's when I like to, and this is a boundary. This is a soft boundary. I like to suggest, let's test this. Let me interview two of your very favorite customers. Oh, that's then, good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm leaning you, in. I'm leaning in. <laughs> <laughs> what you do, you make that suggestion and, and you, you sell it to them. You know, this is going to make your content better. This is going to make it more tailored. It's going to bring in more of your ideal clients because we are focusing in on these two people you already love working with and you get them to set up the interview and whatever your style, I, I type really fast. So I take almost word for word notes and I can give that client language back to the client. Like, look at this. This is exactly what your people said. This is exactly how they said it. This is the level of language we need to write towards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're not that fast with the keyboard, some people are faster, slower, uh, you can record it and you can show them that way. And you can have a transcript made. It's, it's relatively inexpensive. You can find websites that do that and not drive yourself crazy over it. Otter.ai. I'm just going to throw that out there. Right. Otter.ai. <laughs> <laughs> so you show them proof that this is the language the clients are using to talk about their problems, to talk about their hopes, to talk about their goals and what they enjoy about working with the person. You have your list of questions. And when you have that wealth of customer data, you can turn that into amazing content. You can turn that into amazing copy by literally copy and pasting those phrases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the business owner can't argue. That, that's the years of customer success ghost blogging. So that's the beautiful thing about ghost blogging is, is you actually learn so much doing it. <laughs> yes, yes. And so it's like, what is your customer trying to do? And the the sad thing is so many people who want to do blogging, they have the wrong idea about what it is their customer is trying to do. They think, oh, well, they're just trying to pay me to do X, Y, or Z, when the reality is it may be one, two, three, or A, B, C. Let's do some Michael Jackson and Jackson 5. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I really loved everything you just said. Good one. I, I really like uh, using that with all of my clients. In fact, uh, one of the things I have them do, and this is, this is a copy thing, but – 
I have them take the draft and show it to their five favorite clients and just have the clients do a gut check on it. And a gut check is like, this resonates. Oh my gosh, where is the camera hiding in my house? Clearly you're watching me. Like you understand my problem so well. So what resonates, what leaves them completely cold? Like, no, that's not me at all. I don't get it. And what confuses them? And again, it's that customer feedback just at that gut level of yes, no, confused. And that can make a huge difference. Absolutely. Okay. I'm, and and the big thing is, you know, I'm sure you feel this too. We want our clients to succeed. Yes. And, and it breaks our heart when when we see them failing. Because the whole point of bringing someone on board who who can write the words that they want to say, but they can't quite articulate is, they need someone who can who can put their message out there, and and if they don't have that, oh, it's like a it's a dagger to the heart. Yeah. Well, and so often they're so good at what they do. Like they wouldn't be in business if they weren't so good at what they do. If they weren't providing so much value, and it's communicating that value that falls to us. So you know, no pressure. It you know we are kind of integral to their ability to succeed because you can't succeed without words that yes. convey yes. value you bring. Yeah. I, li- I like to say that we give the voice to the voiceless because yes. they're so, they're so in their business that they don't see how they can improve their business. Before we started this, you were telling me about how you craft the perfect filter. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. So this, this is a copywriting technique, but if you are a ghost blogger, you have your own website, you can do this on your own website. And when I'm talking about crafting a perfect filter, it is attracting the clients that you love and deeply want to work with and actively repelling the people you don't like. So it's a two-parter. And if you do it right, you get a wrong fit client maybe 10% of the time, 90% of people who are contacting you are amazing and you just have the best time together and it's super great. So the way you do this and it, it will work better the more experience you have because you have to really dial into your track record of success. So make a list of all the clients that you've worked with that you've loved and start analyzing, okay, what what things did they have in common? What did our interactions have in common? And you start forming this picture of exactly who your ideal client actually is. So you write exactly for that person. And this is standard copy. This is always what we want to do. So the filtering part is actually happening with putting boundaries in your copy. So that can be a process page where you say, this is how I work. This is how much I charge. And that alone will get rid of people who want to create special deals. And you always have that to fall back on. It's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't offer a discount for this service. This is the price. It's on my website, and that's all you have to say. And then they go away. And as you work with more clients, you gather more data, you gather more information about who worked really well and why. And then you gather data about who didn't work and why. So one of the things that I recently instituted, I, I, caught, <laughs> I caught a client in my net who was a wrong fit, but he didn't seem like it. But what happened was uh, he was, I'm sort we didn't have this conversation. I am surmising what I suspect was the case, but I've seen it happen a lot. You'll get a client who gives you endless revisions because they want to make it perfect and there is no such thing. And what's really happening there is the client is terrified to actually start their business. So they prolong the copy part for as long as humanly possible, they torture the copywriter, they torture their website designer with endless revisions because they're afraid to actually start. 
So that's what was happening with this guy. And it's one of those things where I was like, I quit copywriting. I'm just going to be like a housewife, a milliner. I'm going to start painting. Like I quit everything. I hate this so much. And what I did on my website is I put a revision limit. (laughs) I just, on my sales page, I'm like, this service comes with two revisions. After that, you pay additional. Period. Period. Yeah. So I've created, I formed that service that had this sort of like penalty possibility for endless revisions. And I just stopped that. Like you get two, that's included. And then you pay for the rest. And my other services, because I really hate revisions so much, (laughs) my other services don't even come with revisions. Revisions are extra, and that curtails that tendency of that certain type of clients, and they understand it going in because you're laying out the ground rules immediately. So if they want endless revisions, they can go to Fiverr. Yes. Oh, God. I can totally I can totally relate to that because I had a gal who she was forever changing her mind. Mm. Like, she would give you the assignment. And then you would send her what she said she wanted. And she would literally send back, oh, that's not what I wanted at all. And so I started recording her. I started saying, okay, every single interview we have, every single conversation we have must be on record. Because it got to a point where I was spending three, four, five hours with this woman and I would submit her the article that she asked for blatantly, like verbatim. I would say every word she wanted. And when I sent it to her, she'd go, that's not at all what I asked for. Oh, no. Yeah. And and so the beauty of saying, okay, every conversation we have will be recorded. I could say at timestamp 10 minutes and 52 seconds, you said, I want X. I gave you X. Why are you going to go and what, ask for Y? <laughs> because so that Did that work? She fired me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. She fired me. But what's funny is I got a message from her that what I did for her because she asked for X is she was not even, I'm, I'm not, I'm from lying, I'm dying. She said, I am ranking number one on Google, and I never would have done that before if you hadn't done X. Wow. And yet she still wouldn't hire me back. (laughs) Yeah. Some people do. Well, I don't think anybody really wants to hear the truth. (laughs) That's true. That's true. But but isn't isn't it so funny how if we don't put up these boundaries, we will be taken advantage of. And yes. then, and then the funniest part is they get mad at us that they don't get what they said they wanted, even though in first conversation, it's what they wanted. Yeah. I, I love, I love putting the ground rules on my website. I reinforce the ground rules in my contracts. You know, you send a contract and you can really, you don't have to stick to the straight legalese of whatever template you're using. You can put in your own stuff. So, yeah, I, I put in, you know, this, I, I need revision requests back within one month. You get two. Um, I have a, a clause that I've never enforced. In fact, it's probably unenforceable. <laughs> but, but it's there to show intent. Uh, but it's, um, you know, if you don't pay me within two weeks of receiving the final draft, uh, there's going to be a, an extra fee added you know, a late fee. Unfortunately, I have had to start incurring that late fee because even though you say there's going to be a late fee, people are like, oh, I got time. She she does this for fun. Oh, my gosh. That's, you know, that's some of the, some of the toughest boundaries I've had to put in place is how to get money out of clients who are very, very late in paying. And I, I've had suggestions from friends like have a, a separate email account 
that's from your accountants mm-hmm. and have them bill. <laughs> now, I like to do this through PayPal. PayPal, you can set up automatic reminders, but that's really just going to bug them. And that that's a hard thing to guard against, too, because I never could figure out who was going to actually pay and who was not. Yes. So many shenanigans around payment, especially for content, especially at a certain price point. Uh, now everything is automated in my site, and they click a button and they prepay. Ooh, so you're prepaying everybody? Yeah, yeah, except for the full service folks, but it's still a 50% deposit. Now, see, that's smart. That's really smart. Yeah, well, that was <laughs> that is smartness that was earned through a lot of not getting paid. I I, I can relate. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand like some people. Oh, and my favorite um, was a person who told me she couldn't afford me. I gave her a blog post idea. It was brilliant. Like when I say it was brilliant, it was brilliant. And so she's like, oh, well, I really can't afford your fees. And then the went and wrote it and sent it to me. And she's like, so could you please edit this and tell me what you think? Oh, my gosh. You want to know what I sent back to her? Yeah. I sent back, well, yes, but it's that fee plus 10% because I charge extra for people for editing. (laughs) And my husband was like, yeah, that's the asshole tax. (laughs) Pretty much. Oh, I was so pissed. Wow. Where did these people, like, (laughs) maybe they're made in a factory and we just don't know it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I, I mean, I've certainly gotten into a better class of clients going for conscious entrepreneurs, heart centered entrepreneurs. I mean, you find those qualifying statements Mm -hmm. of the kind of entrepreneur that you want to work with people who have ethics and values, you know, in large fonts, um, you, you do get a better class of people. Okay. So, um, I'm curious, what is it that you do in your writing practice that brings you the kind of clientele that you're willing to work with? Um, so I changed my niche entirely three years ago because uh, the software as a service folks, they were just driving me batty with their jargon and their revisions and their teams and their you've got to be on slack all the freaking time no gosh no that is not the creative process so they were driving me nuts and I wanted to find the clients that brought me the most joy the people that I really enjoyed working with otherwise I was going to quit that's where I was like things have got to change or I'm going to quit and so I did the thing where you make a list of your favorite clients you figure out what they have in common I figured out they were coaches, they were teachers, they were people helping other people to live their best lives. So that was the big shift. But since then, I've been, you know, dialing it in, you know, gathering more information, figuring out exactly the characteristics of the people that I love working with. And they tend to be you know, heart, the heart centered conscious entrepreneurs, they hate bro marketing tactics. So all of the marketing tactics that just strike us as used car salesmen icky, they hate that they're repelled by it. And that is how I created my brand for the people who have been told this is how you do marketing and they hate it because it feels icky. It feels false. It feels smarmy. So my brand is the opposite of that. It's like, no, you can. You can market yourself in ways that feel good to you, feel good to them. You're not talking anybody into things. You're not doing a hard sell, not even doing a soft sell, but you're selling a lot more and you're attracting wonderful people who love that quality about you. So it's, you know, what, what, it's sort of like our common enemy (laughs) is one of the qualities that I'm looking for in my clients and that ensures a pretty good fit and I also do a values fit and you do a values fit just by stating your values on your website so if you go to my website I have uh it's in the footer actually and it says values and it just says 
my three core values as a, as a person and as a business owner and just having a value statement, it sends a message to other people where if values are important to them, they'll want to hire me because we have that in common. You mean I don't have to take a neuro-linguistic programming course to be able to get my ideal client? Oh, heavens no. Although that would be fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't tell you how many people who have sent me inquiries who are like, oh, I studied NLP and so neuro-linguistic programming. And they're like, oh, I studied NLP and I know how to find my ideal client. Really? Because you think you you think that scamming people or 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 tricking them into paying you is going to get you the results you want? How about no? And the thing you could actually write that you could write that as a blog post on your website. You could write that on your services page if that is an inquiry that you get a lot. If you're into LML NLP and you think that is the answer to copywriting and attracting clients, we're not a good fit. You can, you can, you could say that. <laughs> oh, I love that. So you're telling me that if I was a baby copywriter, I can say no? Oh, yes. And you can say no up front. You can say no before they even ask you a question. And that's what but, a fit check is. But, but, but Lauren, I have to pay the bills. Why, why can't I just take every job? Oh, my gosh. I have never been so poor as when I took every job. Was say, that it a little, say it a little louder for the people in the back. <laughs> I have never been so poor as when I took every job from every type of client, every business. I mean, giant inflatable water slides. What? Right? I have written for literally every kind of business, including a giant inflatable water slide company, who, by the way, did not pay. <laughs> okay. See, some things just require hazard pay. And asshole tax. And asshole tax. <laughs> yes. So, okay, so l- l- let's wrap this up with the the big takeaways for the baby bloggers who are listening to this, who are like, okay, I need income but I also need boundaries. What would you say are the top boundaries a baby blogger copywriter needs? Okay. Top boundaries are you need to know who is a good fit for working with you, who you enjoy working with. And you can actually put this on your website. This is for you. If, and list all the good qualities, this is not for you. If, and list all the qualities you hate. And you can actually put that on your sales page, on your services page, on your homepage, like pick a page. You can put it there. Don't put it everywhere because that's crazy. But pick a page and just line it up for them. And the people who share those good qualities will contact you. And the people who see those other qualities and go, oh, that kind of, that's me, um, they'll go away and never darken your doorstep. The second one is don't be afraid to turn away work. Because believe it or not, and this is not woo-woo stuff, this is, you know, proven through hard experience, the more you say no to wrong fit, the more right fit will actually come to you. Like the money will come. And it'll come because you've made space by not driving yourself crazy and filling up your schedule with clients who are terrible. Your contracts are your friend. Just outline what you want, what the parameters are, and for goodness sakes, put a limit on how many revisions come with each service. Two is a good number. (laughs) Um, And try to do it in one. (laughs) And uh, don't be afraid to make it a policy. Your policies are also your friend. Make it a policy to charge extra for additional revisions. And that usually encourages your clients to get it done in less time. I think those are my big ones. One of the things I will drop in the show notes that everyone needs to read is Denise Duffield Thomas. If you don't know who she is, she is also known as Lucky Bitch. Um, she has the most amazing posts on boundaries. 
and I'm obsessed with her. I'm actually a member of her Lucky Bees. Um, I I am in her Money Boot Camp and her Sacred Money Archetypes, so I will drop all that in the show notes. Um, everything you were saying, just it, I was hearing Denise in my ears. Um, she's a big uh, advocate for saying, I serve, I deserve. And that's one thing that all copywriters need to know is if you are serving your client, you deserve to be paid. You deserve to be treated like a person, not a um, just a person who has to do a service. You are more than just a service. You are more than just a paycheck. You are giving value. You are giving a voice to the people that you are serving. And I absolutely am so excited. I'm so excited about everything that we talked about here today because, I mean, there are so many people that I have talked to who have worked for the shitty clients. They have worked for the assholes. And and you don't have to. I mean, you do not have to write for crappy fees and and, and be treated like you're worth nothing because when we are giving people what they actually need, they recognize it. They want it. And there are some people that are out there that are jerks and they will not pay you what you're worth. They will not treat you like you need to be treated, like you deserve to be treated. But you are still providing a service. You still deserve to be paid a valuable wage. (laughs) Well, and treated as a valuable member of their marketing team, because that is what you are. Absolutely. And so if, if you're listening to this and, and you were thinking, oh, well, the reason that they don't want to pay me is because I'm a shit writer. That might not be true. Okay. Uh, let's be honest. It could be true. You could it be a be. shit writer. It, it could be true. But don't get your validation from bullshit sources. Think about what you're doing, what you're providing, and, and go after the people who are hearing your message, hearing what you're trying to deliver, and and work with those people. Work with the people who are not jerks. Right? <laughs> that is boundary number one. Work with and, people who are not jerks. Yes, absolutely. And And the thing is, if you have been writing for five minutes, five months, five years, odds are you know what you're doing. And if you don't, there are resources out there that you can figure out what you're doing. And it doesn't mean that just because you are learning a skill, you have to work for jerks. Yeah. If you, if you take nothing, if you take nothing else away from this episode, please understand you don't have to work for jerks. <laughs> Hashtag no jerks. <laughs> Maybe that's the name of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll call it episode Lauren with no jerks. <laughs> I like it. I'm just kidding. We won't call it that. We'll call it something else. But uh, is there anything that I didn't ask you, Lauren, that you wish I had? Oh, gosh. Uh, boundaries are is the biggest struggle of my life. I am a compulsive overgiver. Uh, you know, I will basically throw myself under the bus for any and all of my clients. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a journey to realize that to do my best work, I can't afford to do that. So they deserve my best work. That means I've got to, I've, I've got to create the boundaries that protect my ability to do that. So yeah, I guess that's it. (laughs) Okay. I actually, I want to ring this back. I want, I want to, I want to pull it back. I have to ask you. What was it that gave you the confidence to have boundaries? Ooh. Uh, so I may have mentioned this, but I work with a lot of life coaches. Okay. <laughs> and when you work with a lot of life coaches, sometimes you, you do some trades and uh, sometimes you just learn what they've got to say because you have to write it in ways their clients will understand. I've learned a lot about doing, you know, the deep inner shadow work mm-hmm. where you are dealing with your, you know, inner child shit and you are figuring out why you do what you do and why you keep shooting yourself in the foot and figure out tools to stop doing that. So I have, 
I have a business coach now. I have an energy coach now. Um, people that I've written for and I've loved them so much. I'm now paying them. But yeah, I've done you to be an entrepreneur. You've got to do some inner work around money mindset is a big one. You know, do I deserve to be paid fairly? Do I deserve to be paid at all? And how do I deserve to be treated? And fighting that terror of if I set a boundary, will they scream at me? Will they abuse me? Will they hate me forever? Will I be cast out from the tribe? Will I starve and die in a hole? Like these are the sort of lizard brain fears that we're working with when we set a boundary. <laughs> okay, so one of the recommend, Lauren, that you think is just fantastic for boundaries? Oh gosh. Um on the I, spot. <laughs> yeah. Uh I'm actually I'm working with a shaman right now. Ooh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Shamans are the best. They're so cool. Um, it, it's actually really difficult to write about shamanism at the moment because unless you are an indigenous person, you're not allowed to use that term for what you do or you risk blowback. So it's complicated. It's one of those words that's shifting right now. It's an interesting time, but she specializes in boundary work, um, and creating energetic boundaries specifically. So not, uh, you know, if somebody comes at you and they are just filled with hateful, negative, sad, horrible energy, it doesn't have to affect you horribly. Like, Ooh. you can just be okay in your center and not have that be a an issue for you. Um, and that's very difficult for me. I'm sort of a sponge for other people's energies. So if they're coming at me and they've had a bad day and, and they're taking it out on me, like, I take it super personally. Um, I don't anymore, but I used to. And, uh, yeah, her name is, um, let's see. I, so I should preface this by saying I work with a lot of coaches okay. at one time. Do you want to send me links? Would that be the easiest way to do this? Yeah, I'll send you, I'll send you a link. Okay. So Lauren is going to be sending me a bunch of links that I can share in the show notes. And I, I think that if you are listening to this and you are curious about how you can handle writing for people with boundaries, you should totally check out our show notes for this. Yeah, this is super fun. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Great podcast energy. Because I get so excited to ask you is Lauren, will you be my bloggy friend? Totally. Absolutely. BFFs forever. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. 